Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles once again to the book of Philippians. We're quickly approaching the end of that uh, book of the Bible as we've been studying for several weeks there and looking there. Uh, Just a reminder, this book is all about the joy found in Jesus Christ, the joy of Christ Jesus in our life. And uh, we're looking at chapter 4 of uh, Philippians today. And we're looking at some Scripture that's quite familiar to a lot of people, uh, Scripture that is, is very uh, uh, familiar uh, for us. And so we're going to look at those in just a moment. Well, let's join together for prayer. Dear Gracious Lord and Father, we do exalt You and thank You for Your great love and we praise You uh, that You've given us the, the privilege and the joy of coming together in Your house Father God, we we do praise You for uh, the opportunity that You give us to live in Christ Jesus, to have a relationship to You through uh, the precious blood of Christ that was spilt for us. And Lord, as we uh, seek to learn more about how we should live, how we should uh, uh, do things, Lord, I pray that Your Spirit might speak to our hearts. Lord, that You would draw us ever closer to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, This morning I want to share with you Again, uh, the fact that this book is about the joy that's found in Jesus Christ. And uh, we've been looking at that and how that kind of shapes our life and molds our life. And uh, today I want to talk to you about something that uh, a lot of people uh, don't have that joy within them. That joy is elusive in their life and joy is is something that that is very fleeting many people ask if life even is worth living and I, i've dealt with a lot of uh, people in my ministry that that have such difficult things happen in their life they begin to question uh, if if life is even worth a part of uh, you know their participation in life more and more people are beginning to answer that question with a resounding no life is not worth living in their life and unfortunately uh, people get to that point with an increasing numbers at this time of the year uh, it's surprising uh, that uh, during the holiday season, during the time in which we celebrate Christmas and we celebrate uh, Thanksgiving and we celebrate all of this time of festivities and where many people get together with their families and they're very happy and joyous, that there are some people that are lonely. There are some people that are very cut off from society and from other people and they unfortunately find themselves in a situation where everything is reminding them how miserable they are. 
And during this time of uh, issues with COVID and, and the separation that people have, there are many people uh, in their fears of uh, catching this uh, terrible disease that they've cut themselves off from the rest of the world completely to the extent where uh, we're seeing a rise in uh, suicides, a rise in people harming themselves because of the fact that they've been cut off from uh, uh, other people. They've been cut off from the social norms that they're so familiar, wi- uh, familiar with. There are more suicides in America than there are murders And that's just in a regular year. More people are killing themselves than they are killing other people. And psychiatrists tell us that there are at least 12 million people in America who are in such deep depression that they uh, have lost all desire to live. Ernest Hemingway, uh, the author who committed suicide, said uh, this about his situation. He said, life is just a dirty trick, a short trip from nothingness to nothingness. There's no remedy for anything in life. Man's destiny in the universe is like a colony of ants living at the end of a burning log. Hemingway had uh, an issue with that. And and Solomon, uh, uh, he had the same issue that Solomon had. Solomon, of course, was a a king of Israel. And he had uh, everything in his life that he could possibly want. Uh, And uh, Solomon said, uh, there's nothing to life. Life is just a vapor. Uh, uh, Life, uh, no matter what, I try and attempt to gain enjoyment from. Solomon said, uh, it it all comes back to nothingness. And Hemingway, through his popularity and through his uh, 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 ability to to write and and his success, uh, lived a life of excess. And he found the same thing, that uh, life uh, pursuing the, the, the happiness and the joys of this life led to nothingness. And uh, uh, unfortunately, Hemingway didn't have the same understanding of a relationship with God that Solomon had. Solomon said, life is nothing, but Solomon said, life is nothing without God. And he realized that his life was meaningless and nothingness without a relationship with God. And Hemingway, unfortunately, didn't have that, kind of, that same kind of relationship with God that Solomon had and was able to, uh, to find his way in life. Um, Solomon, uh, Hemingway is not the only one that, that uh, gave us a, a little bit of information. H.G. Wells, a brilliant man, said this. He said, "...unless there is more abundant life before mankind... This scheme of space and time is a bad joke, an empty laugh braying across uh, the mystery uh, of life. And and philosopher uh, Schopenhauer said about this, he said, Life is a curse of endless craving and endless unhappiness. Someone else has put... uh, uh, In this way, he said, a crust of bread and a corner of sleep in a a minute to smile and an hour to weep in a pint of joy in a peck of trouble and never a laugh but the moan 
comes double in this life. Many people find that they have lost the desire to live. They find themselves like the shipwrecked sailor who uh, spent uh, three years on a deserted island. Uh, uh, By the way, this is not the joke that uh, that, uh, I enjoy with a friend of mine uh, that starts out about a man that is... Uh, stranded on a deserted island. Uh, this story is about a man who's on a deserted island. He spends three years trying to find some way of being rescued. And finally, one day, a ship comes into uh, the bay and, and drops anchor and sends out a, a small boat to, to come to shore. And uh, they come to shore with a stack of newspapers. And the, uh, the guy who uh, comes to the, the shipwrecked man said, the captain wants you to read all of these newspapers from the last five years and then decide if you want us to rescue you. <laughs> now, there are some people who believe that, that life is so terrible they just want to get away from everything and, and remove themselves. Uh, what a tragedy is life when you get to the point where you feel as though death would be a much greater uh, remedy. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Abundantly. And now I'm, uh, I'm talking about uh, uh, living a life that is worth living. Jesus wasn't talking about abundantly. Uh, so many people have taken that passage of Scripture and, and say, well, the Bible tells us that we're all going to be rich. No, that's not what it's all about. It's, what it's about is living your life uh, in the way in which God intended for you to live. Living your life in a manner that is pleasing to God. And Paul here in the book of Philippians tells us how we should live our life and how to, uh, to live our life in a way that is pleasing to God. And he does it through problems that the church at Philippi are having with some uh, ladies within the church says uh, verse chapter 4 verse 1 says therefore my brethren dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown so stand fast in the Lord my dearly beloved you can tell Paul is entering into some sh- uh, murky waters with the way he's buttering them up right here at the beginning of this chapter. He's saying, look, you are my dear beloved brothers. I cherish you. In fact, he says, you are my joy and crown. Now, remember, Paul has just talked about um, attaining the the goal, the wreath, uh, the in terms of his relationship uh, to God, and here he uses another image of of a crown, and this is not a uh, the the temporary wreath that the athlete would receive for uh, being uh, crowned the best in his sport. This is is the imagery of a crown of a king, and Paul says, "You are my crown. You are my joy. Uh, you are uh, my joy and crown." And he says. Uh, you are what is 
my attainment of of completeness is the fact that he's talking about them in terms of the fact that they have come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They have entered into a relationship with God, and Paul values them so much that he uh, he he calls them his beloved. And it says, first of all, he says you need to stand fast in the Lord. To stand fast in the Lord is his uh, number one priority. And he 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 says, uh, I beseech Iodas and uh, Scythica that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat the also true yoke fellow, help those women which laboreth with me in the gospel, with Clement also and with others, my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. And so he says, look, you're having a problem with these these individuals. What was going on was there was a dispute between these ladies. And there was a dispute that was going on that should have been handled by the leaders of the local church. And the problem was that it had gotten the factions had developed so much that word had gotten all the way back to Paul. Now remember where Paul is. Paul's not writing the letter from the next town over or from even a, a little ways down the road. He's writing from a, of a, from a jail cell. And he is hundreds of miles away from this church. And that's why he's sending the letter instead of going himself. And he says, look, you should have taken care of this, my yoke fellows. He says, uh, those of you who are within the church, you're, you're working so hard to, uh, to uh, fulfill the responsibilities of the church, and yet you've not dealt with this major problem that's between these two individuals and in spite of the fact that you might uh, uh, still come together and call yourself a body of believers he says this conflict between these two women is too much you need to uh, to stand fast and uh, we tend to allow things in our life to to fester and, and bubble up and boil and, and to cause problems. And we want to say, well, that, that's just something I can brush away and I can go to church and we can uh, have church and, and we can get back to this when we get back home or whatever. Uh, Paul's saying, no, you cannot allow these things to continue on in your life. You can't allow uh, the, the conflicts, the disputes that you have to go on and still be a part of the same body, uh, uh, be a part of the same uh, uh, body of Christ that's reaching out to the lost. He says, uh, I entreat you also, true yoke fellows, to help these women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. And so he says, stand firm, and standing firm means to stand in unity, to stand in uh, uh, unity with one another. And and he is about to embark upon a section of Scripture that gives us uh, uh, specific details about how we should do that. He says in verse 4, he says, and, uh, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. 
And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So he's saying to uh, these believers, you need to stand firm and you need to stand in unity. And here's how it's accomplished. He says, first of all, uh, we need to rejoice in God, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Paul here is again speaking of uh, rejoicing and having joy within his li- uh, your life from a jail cell. So he's not being flippant about this. He's not saying, hey, perk up. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, hey, you, you, you heard about the one about the, the dog and the man down the road? He's not giving a simple joke. He's not simply saying, hey, y'all need to laugh a little bit more. He's saying, you need, uh, in order for you to, to truly have unity as a body of believers and in order for you to truly live the life that you are uh, supposed to live as a Christian, you need to rejoice. You need to, uh, again, this book is about uh, the joy found in Christ Jesus. And he's saying, in essence, he says, you need to allow that joy that we've been talking about to flow out of your life, to be something that is evident in what you do. Don't go around looking like you've sucked on a on a sour pickle all day and and say, oh, I'm so happy. You know, you can't have a sour puss on your face and, 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 and convince other people that you're having a good time or that you are uh, 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 rejoicing in God in your life. He says, get rid of these things, these distractions in your life that's causing you uh, to, to have this, this bad demeanor. Get, get rid of these bad things and rejoice at what God is doing in your life. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always in spite of what is happening in your life. He's, like I said, he's writing from a jail. He's writing with the very uh, cognizant realization that his life may end shortly, that he may die for his faith. And he says, Rejoice. Rejoice always. And in every circumstance, rejoice. He says, let your moderation be known unto all men, and the Lord is at hand. He says, let everyone understand and know your relationship to God. Let your moderation be known to all men. Let let others understand why you are living the way that you live, help them to understand the significance of what is uh, happening in your life. Help them to understand and know the joy that comes with, with your personal relationship with Jesus Christ and let others know about it and, and tell others about it and, and let it be shown on your face. And then he says, the Lord is at hand. Uh, this this phrase here, the Lord is at hand, is is a phrase that that many believe is is in reference to the fact that that Paul believes and many others believed during his day that Christ's return was very imminent, that Christ would return to take away His church and in a brief period of time and. 
you know, we know that it's been quite some time since the days of Paul and and his uh, relationship uh, with Christ and, and Christ's life. Uh, but we ought to still continue to live as if Christ is coming soon. This statement emphasizes the urgency with which Paul is is trying to help them to understand that we need to live our life. We we don't need to live our life with uh, the things of this world drawing us away from Christ, but rather we need to to pull closer to Him to allow our life to be modeled after uh, a relationship with Christ in such a way that that others hear about. Uh, our relationship with Christ and and we're a testimony, a witness and we talked about that in Sunday school today uh, in, in all the Sunday school classes of how important it is to share Christ with others. We need to do that because Christ's return is at hand. It's imminent. He says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your... Uh, 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 with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. Paul here is 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 dealing with the very real uh, understanding that life was difficult for these Christians. Life was was uh, not the easiest time of living. They many of them were going through persecution. Paul himself was in jail because of that persecution. And so uh, he's, he's saying, look, in everything in your life, make sure that when worries and anxiety come into your life, that you place your needs before God. He said the way in which to overcome this worry, this, these concerns, these problems that you're having in your life is to, what does he say here? Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. He says in everything in your life, in every aspect of your life, in every problem that you face, in every struggle that you find yourself having, Instead of allowing that anxiety, that worry, that concern to, to carry you away and keep you from uh, accomplishing the, the mission that God has given for us to do of, of sharing that gospel with others, he says in everything, go to God in prayer. When you, when you battle... Uh, problems in your life when you're going through those doubts those times in which you doubt whether or not life is worth living when you go through those times in which you feel as though your life is running away from you he says go to God in prayer lift it before God in prayer and not just simply prayer but requesting from God To request from God the, the, the needs that you have. Request from God the, the, when you feel as though you, you don't have any purpose in living. Say, God, what, what purpose do I have? What, nothing is, 
is happening in my life. I'm, I'm going, running in circles or whatever your issue, your problem is. Lift it before God and, and allow Him to, to take your burden. Amen. He says, offer it over to God and not only do that, but to rejoice and to give thanks. Now, this, this verse is oftentimes used at this time of the year when we are having a time of, for Thanksgiving and, and it's used for uh, uh, and taken out of context a lot of times and, and, it, and it, some people say, well, okay, you're supposed to spend all of your life thanking God for everything that you have. Well, that, that, that's not a bad thing to do. But, but Paul here is, is referring to when you're going through some of the most harsh times when you're going through some of the most difficult times when life is is causing you to question whether or not you should continue on he says in those times make sure to make your request known to god make sure that he understands and knows your need help uh, uh lift that up to god and give thanks that he is they're listening to you. The reason that you're able to give that up to God in thanksgiving is because He's there listening. He's there uh, uh, knowing your problems and needs. And when you lift that up to God, it is taking ownership off of that and saying, God, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to allow you to control this in my life. I'm going to allow you to have dominion of my life in this situation. I'm going to allow you to have uh, this burden in my life. I'm not. I'm going to take that away from me, and I'm going to set it before you. And he says, "Do that in thanksgiving, because God is there to receive your burdens. He's there to take your needs. He's there to hear your your uh, pleas from Him, and He is going to answer." You know, Paul dealt with a lot of people that. And the Scripture has accounts of people praying to false gods and they would do all kinds of things because they did not feel as though their gods were listening and, and they didn't get answers from their God. Paul says, give thanks. Give your offering of prayer in thanks, knowing that God is there, He hears your prayers. And He will answer your prayer. He says, let your uh, request, your supplications known unto God because God is going to answer it. And then He says in verse 7, the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, Paul is digging in a little bit here uh, to the Gnostics because he's dealing with that group and that faction that's come in to this church in Philippi to cause them to have problems. And uh, the Gnosticists, uh, they they believe that through a special knowledge they got closer to God and, and that they could have a knowledge that was different from you and they could be higher to God or closer to God because of that. And Paul says, the peace of God which passes all understanding, he says this peace, this this peace that comes from God knowing your problems, knowing your needs goes beyond any understanding or comprehension, goes beyond anything 
He's saying, look, this peace that, that comes with, with giving up the, the problems in your life, of, of offering them over to God, knowing that God is going to answer your prayers, knowing that God is, going, is there to, to, to hear your prayers and to carry you through and to see you through that, is greater than any knowledge, this uh, understanding, this any kind of, of uh, Gnosticism that, that is, is capable of bringing you closer to God. He says, uh, and of course Paul doesn't believe in Gnosticism at all. He doesn't believe that there's a special knowledge. He says, the only knowledge you need to have is, is that God is there, that God hears your prayers, that God hears your petitions, that God will answer your prayers. Because Why? Because God loves you, because God is there for you and wants to be close to you. He says, the peace of God will come upon your life. Now remember, this is not the kind of peace that, that Paul is referring to that is the end of hostility. A lot of times, uh, this is not the shalom peace that, that is referring to an end of hostility with God. This is a peace that, that comes with um, an intimate relationship with God. This is the kind of peace that comes with, with being uh, very intimately close with God. And he says, this peace will come into your life. Why? Because you've turned over to God. That thing that bothers you the most, that thing that troubles you the most, that, and that understanding that, that uh, your life is spiraling out of control, you realize that God is the one that's in control of all things and can help you through that, that God is the one there that, that can meet every need that you possibly have. This peace comes into your life of knowing God, of being close and intimate with God. It passes all understanding. Why? Because God is greater than any issue in your life, greater than any problem, greater than any uh, uh, difficulty that may exist in your life. And He will keep you, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul brings it all back to your relationship with Christ Jesus. It keeps your heart... Okay. In Scripture, heart was not the same in terms of heart in our understanding. Heart, whenever it was used in Scripture, many times was, uh, was used in a variety of different ways. We use... Uh, let Jesus come into your heart. We say that kind of thing in terms of the seat of your uh, of your personality or your seat of of your essence of who you are. Um, but in this case, Paul is talking about uh, the the seat of your understanding. And so, what he's saying here is is that. If you turn over your problems, your issues in your life, peace will come into your life and God will keep your understanding, your, under, uh, your comprehension of His, your relationship with Him, uh, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He'll keep you in a deep, committed relationship with Christ Jesus. And Paul says that's the, that's the essence of what life is all about. Life is not about uh, 
you know, seeing ourselves like ants at the end of a burning log, or out in the in the midst of a of a big universe of nothingness and insignificance, but rather that, that our life is made complete in our relationship with Christ. Our life is made complete in our understanding that that when we turn our our problems, our issues, our, our worries, our difficulties, our struggles, our, our loneliness, our anxieties, our worries, our problems over to God, and we allow God to have those uh, problems and anxieties and worries, that He is there. He's there to hear our needs. He is there to, to answer our, our requests. He's there to make our life complete. And Paul says, Your life will be made complete in Christ Jesus when we turn it all over to Him. So today I want to ask you, if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, if you're here today and and you need to turn your life over to Christ Jesus, if there's uh, problems in your life that you've been going through, issues in your life that you're enduring, hardships and problems, won't you make a commitment today to giving your heart and life to Him? Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that You would help us in this time of great uncertainty in the world and this time of great difficulty and and problems and life just seems to be up in the air. So many people are losing so much faith in in life. Lord, we pray that You'd help us to hold fast to You, to make our our needs, our, our petitions our worries, our our struggles known to You. Allow You, Lord, to to take those burdens, knowing that You're there to answer our prayers. Lord, that You would lead us in Your way. Help us to stand firm in the faith, to be uh, the people of God that are filled with great joy because we have peace with, with God, peace through Christ Jesus with you. Lord, I pray that you would lead us in your way. That we might be at peace in our lives and in this world because we walk and stand with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.